very significant. And there's some verses of scripture can touch you, even though I've read them many, many times. Some verses of scripture can have a great impact in your life. And one of them is this, 1 Timothy 4 verse 6, which I've read many times. But it's, Timothy had a wonderful mentor in the Apostle Paul. And he was taught extremely well by the Apostle Paul. He says, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the works of the faith and of good doctrine. Now, that's wonderful, isn't it? And that's what it's all about. Now, when we consider the scriptures, who have my mentors been in my 48 years of Christian experience? And I've always turned to the older brethren and the brethren's readings and how they have nurtured the faith by reading their books and the amount of time and effort they put in those books. I mean, Darby had 35 volumes he's written. Now, that's a lot of hard work he's doing there, you know, for the benefit of saints of other generations are still benefiting from the teaching of these older brethren. So it's nice to be nurtured by them and get understanding by them. It's being nurtured in the faith, isn't it? Which is good. Right, we'll read Revelation chapter 13. We're slowly getting through Revelation. <laughs> I mean, it might take us till next year, but never mind. <laughs> We're still getting there, aren't we? Chapter 113, and I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty-two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain. If any man have an ear to hear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the endurance and faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, 
And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. He causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark of the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred, three score and six. So the Lord will bless the reading of his word. One of the wonderful things we're going to learn this evening is scripture confirms scripture. And there's many books we can turn to which refers to this chapter in Revelation. And... What we, when we go to these other places, like the book of Daniel, and particularly a New Testament book, which is 2 Thessalonians, we can compare Scripture with Scripture. And you'll discover it's coming out with the same information. Well, that's amazing, isn't it? That's how amazing this Bible is. It's accurate, and it's confirming. Daniel confirms what we read in Revelation. He also confirms what we read in 2 Thessalonians. And it always amazes me that this young Thessalonian church, yeah, Paul would have been with them, what, three weeks? And they were all learning end times and things that are going to happen in the end times. And I think that's remarkable. I mean, it took me years and years to get to this stage of handling end times. But they were getting a grasp of it from the teaching of the Apostle Paul. Which is amazing, isn't it? I think that's incredible, a New Testament thing. Now this story in Thessalonians is about three chief persons. The players are three. One is the dragon, which is Satan. One is the beast, that comes out of the sea, which is the head of the revived Roman Empire when it comes back. It's all this is future, yes. Then there's the beast out of the earth, which is known as the Antichrist, the false prophet, yeah. the one that sets himself up to be the king in Jerusalem, where which is all Christ's place, not his place. So there's a political power in the first beast. There's a religious power in the second beast, 
the Antichrist. And the devil's quite clever, isn't he? Because there's politics and there's religion. And there's lots of people in the world don't want anything to do with religion, but they'll have everything to do with politics. And there's a lots of people who want religion. And we don't like the word religion as Christians, do we? I always remember Len Calvert saying to me, if someone once said to him, you know, you're religious then. And he took that as an insult. Because <laughs> he's, no, I'm not religious. I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's religion. And the devil has given them both. To keep them happy, as it were. But it turns around because the, the, the first beast, you can discover that the first beast just tolerates the political side of things. The head of the Roman Empire tolerates the religion. He's only tolerating it because as soon as he gets the opportunity, he destroys the times and the laws of the Jews and the temple. He gets an image of himself put up in the temple which is the desolation. And he virtually wants to destroy them. And he goes out and persecutes the Jews. So that's very tactical how he uses there, isn't it? But we don't want religion, do we? We want uh, faith. <laughs> that's what we want. So that's the interesting things. So when we talk about the beast rising up out of the sea. Remember, sea is turbulent, isn't it? It's speaking of chaos. It's speaking about the masses of people in the world. That's what the sea means. So this beast is coming out of the sea, and there's awful lot of confusion going on. Like the waves of the sea, yes, it's all messy. A lot of things messy going on. And we say this, this out of the sea, having the beast has seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horn ten crowns, and upon his head's name of blasphemy. So make a note of that. Ten horns, ten crowns. Right? Now if you turn with me to Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 7. Here's where scripture confirms scripture. It may take us a bit longer to do this, but it's worth doing. <laughs> so, when Revelation 13 says, And the beast which he saw coming out of the sea as well was like unto a leopard, and his feet were like a feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and his authority. So Daniel says the same thing. In chapter 7, verse 2, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I beheld the wings that were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon feet as a man, and a man's heart was given unto it. That is the Babylonian empire. He's talking about there. And behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear. And it raised up itself on one side. It had three ribs in his mouth. 
of it between the teeth of it, and they said thus unto it, Arise and devour much flesh. That's the Medo-Persian Empire in the beast. And I beheld, lo, a leopard, which had a, upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given unto it. That is the Greek Empire. And this is another wonderful thing of scripture. Alexander the Great is mentioned here in the Bible, yes? 200 years before he was born, Alexander the Great is mentioned in the Bible. And a leopard is fast, isn't it? And he did a very fast conquest. He actually cried when there was no more else to conquer. And he died very young. So he burnt out quite quick. But it's not amazing that he's in the Bible. The other thing that's amazing is Persian Cyrus was a king mentioned in Isaiah chapter 45. Yeah? And the Lord calls him my shepherd. Now, he was a heathen king and the Lord says he's going to be my shepherd and he was the actually brought out the children of Israel out of the bondage of Babylon. And he was in the Bible long before he came on the scene. Now this is remarkable stuff, isn't it? And then this then, after seven, he saw the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, and this is the one Daniel was interested in. Daniel was terrified of this fourth beast. He couldn't understand it. He's saying, I saw in the night visions and the fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with its feet of it and was diverse from all other beasts that before it. And it had ten horns. There's your ten horns and your ten crowns. I considered the horns and behold there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots and behold in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things we've already read that in Revelation as well now this is interesting this little horn that comes up the next little horn the little horn is actually the beast the head of the revived Roman Empire is the little horn and he gets rid of three of the kings. It doesn't say how he got rid of them, whether they did it peacefully or with war, but he subdued three of the kings and he set himself up as the head of this new Roman Empire. Which is thing, isn't it? And then Daniel says in verse 19, he says, I would know the truth of this fourth beast which was diverse from all others, exceedingly dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and nails of brass, and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up before them, three fell. So he wanted to know what this beast is. But this beast is absolutely terrible and powerful. So when we turn back to Revelation, you see these three first beasts, they're there, the fourth beast is taking the characteristics of all the strengths of the Babylonian Empire 
the Medo-Persian Empire and the Greek Empire. So that makes it the fourth beast even more exceedingly terrible and frightening. Yes, it's a powerful organization. And we all know about the common market and the, the treaty, <laughs> the common market. There's going to be ten kings. That's going to be future. And there's going to be one head over these kings. That will take place in the future. So it's quite terrifying, this. And he saw one of its heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. Now what this means is there was the rise of the Roman Empire, which was a massive empire, and there was the fall of the Roman Empire. And in AD 476, the Huns and the Goths, they crossed the Alps, uh, they went and besieged Rome, and they subdued it. Right? That was the deadly wound that the Roman Empire got that day. It's never been the same since. They vanquished Rome. It went out of sight. But it's going to be revived in the future day. And the scripture says, the world will wonder after the beast. Because yeah? this is remarkable what they're saying. And they worship this beast. And they worship Satan. Awful situation to be in, isn't it, in this days in which they're living. They worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast. So these two beasts, both the Antichrist and the head of the revived Roman Empire, is right under the control of Satan. It's called a trinity of evil. Satan, head of the Roman Empire, and the Antichrist. Trinity of evil being exercised. And as we've read in Daniel, there were given unto him a mouth speaking great things, blasphemies. So this, this head of the Roman Empire, he is speaking blasphemies against God. It's mentioned that a few times, yes? That's the character he has. Uh, and power was given unto him. Now, who's given him the power? The Lord is allowing this, isn't he? He's given him the power to continue the 42 months. Now, what period we're in at this moment is called the Great Tribulation. Okay? If we remember Daniel, we... The, 70 weeks of Daniel's prophecy. It's very interesting, Daniel's 70 weeks. Seven weeks was 49 years. Then there was a 62 weeks, which is 434 years. Add the 49, that was 483 years. And then there was one week left, which is future, hasn't taken place yet. One week of seven years left. And it's this seven-year period where the Great Tribulation takes place. And this Roman emperor, he, he makes a treaty with the Jews. Yeah? So they can have their... By this time, the temple has been built. Yeah? So he allows them to have their festivals and their rituals and everything else because the temple has been built. Um, but 
in the second half of the week, he breaks the treaty. And he says, you can't have that anymore. Yes. He takes away all that they have. And the Antichrist gets the image of the beast and he has power to make it talk. He has power to do wonders. And, he's, and that's the image that he sets up, which is the abomination of desolation. It's the image of the beast set up in the temple. And we'll see, see to it that Christ actually refers to this. If you turn to Matthew's Gospel... So even Matthew's Gospel speaks about these end times. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. So this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking about these things. He says, verse 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Right? Because this is the time of great persecution against the Jews. And let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. This is the Lord's advice. Yes? And we'll see, chapter 12 in a minute, that he actually sets them in a safe place and he's looking after them. Let them which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Let them which are in the field return back to take his clothes. Water them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray thee that your flight be not in the winter nor on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation such was not since the beginning of the world to this time nor ever shall be. It's the worst tribulation ever. And he said, unless those days be shortened, and they were shortened to three and a half years, he said, no one would have been saved. But those days have been shortened. That great tribulation is also mentioned in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 11. He talks about Michael, who is an archangel, and he's an archangel that takes care of the Jews. And he says, he stands up as a great prince and he stands for the children of the people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Same thing, yes? A time of great tribulation. Mentioned again by Daniel. So these are the things that are going on at this particular time. This covenant has been broken. So we see that this head of the revived Roman Empire, he opens his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his dwelling place, his tabernacle, and all that dwell in heaven, which means all the saints in heaven, which will be us as well as part of the church, will be in heaven. He can't touch us in heaven. Satan can't touch us in heaven. Remember chapter 12 when we read it a while back? Satan was cast out of heaven down to the earth right? so when Satan's cast out there's going to be a rapture we are going in and Satan can't touch us there but he doesn't like us <laughs> so 
Satan doesn't like us at all. And there was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given in all kindred tongues and nations. So this massive persecution has gone out to these Jews and they're getting persecuted. Now some will have lost their lives. Uh, some will have been martyred. So some have overcome by being slain and shedding their blood. But there's going to be a lot of them, isn't there? And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the Lamb of the Book of Life. Aren't we thankful that our names are written in the Book of Life? It says that in Luke, doesn't it? Chapter 10. When the disciples went out, 70 of them, they were doing lots of miracles. Yeah? And they said, even the devils are subject to us. And the Lord Jesus says, don't think about that. Just rejoice that your names are written in the book. <laughs> Which is fantastic, isn't it? It's where our name should be. And if any man have a hear, let him hear. Now, this, these are strange verses, these. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the endurance and the faith of the saints. Now, get around what actually does this mean. And we think it means that no resistance, all right? When Christians are being persecuted, there is no resistance. Because normally people would fight back, wouldn't they? But Christians don't do that. And it, they're not going to be resistant. So that, hence, some will lose their lives. And then we have this, the other beast. Back to verse 11. The second beast that cometh out of the earth. So when it speaks of the earth, this is Palestine. We're going to talk about Palestine area. Yes, because that's where the Antichrist is. And he causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the beast. Now, the Antichrist wants to be the king, and it wants, he wants to be the kingpin of everybody. So everybody wonders, why is in collusion then with the first beast? But they're just joined together. Yeah? They're joined together. So if you worship one, you're worshipping the other. That's what it means. And he does great wonders. This is it, you see. Now these wonders, miracles, but they're all deception. It's just a massive deception that they're doing. He makes fire to come down from heaven. Who else did that in the Bible? Elijah, didn't he? To prove that God is who he is, he's God, he drew fire down from heaven. So, he brings fire down from heaven, which is going to awe everybody and think, wow, this, this is, he is God. He is the king sitting on the throne. So he does these miracles in sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, they should make an image of the beast which was wounded by the sword and did live. So he makes this image which can speak, a living image which can speak. Which is weird things happening, isn't it? Yet future. Power to give life unto the beast 
and the image of the beast should speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. All right? Now, if you go back to, right back to Nebuchadnezzar, he had that vision, didn't he, of the, the kingdom. And he made a massive statue of himself. He was the head of gold, yes? So it had gone to his head. All the pride he had, he was that head of gold. And he decided, I'm going to make this massive big image. And he says, everybody, when you hear the sounds of these certain musics going on, everybody must bow down to this image that he has made. Anybody who did not bow down to this image will be killed. Simple as that. Now this is a similar here, yes? If you don't bow down to this image, you will be killed. Same principle. Now Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, there were three Jews, godly Jews. Uh, They said, no, we are not bowing down to this image. So they were brought before Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them in a nice, calm voice, Is this true, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, that you're not going to bow down to the image that I have made? And they said, Yes, this is true. And no matter, I'm paraphrasing now, no matter what you say, we are not going to bow down to your image. <laughs> yeah. How bold they were, weren't they? Our God will protect us, they say. So he said, right, into the furnace. He heated up the furnace three times hotter than it was. The actual men who threw them into the furnace died from the heat of the furnace. But they were in the middle of the furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar could see these four figures, four figures, not three, in the furnace. One of them, like the Son of Man, Son of God. So the Lord was with them in the furnace. And they were walking around in this furnace. And they were brought out of the furnace. Their clothes didn't stink of fire. And they were perfectly well and normal. Now that impressed Nebuchadnezzar totally, yes. And changed his attitude quite a lot. And then we've got this, you've got to have the mark of the beast. He makes everybody get the mark of the beast. Now some of them have it on, his, on their hand, which is a bit more secretive, isn't it? Some of it's quite plain as day on their forehead. But if you don't have the mark of the beast, you can't sell, you can't buy, you won't be able to get food and things like that. You won't be able to do transactions yeah, without the mark of the beast. So that puts people who don't have the mark of the beast in great peril, doesn't it? And in fear of persecution. And the number of his name. Now there's lots of controversy goes out with what does 666 mean and the number of the beast. Basically, nobody knows. (laughs) Let's put it as it is. Nobody knows. Uh, some have mentioned barcodes, yeah, uh, and they say there's th- a 666 and a barcode. Now, I've looked at a barcode, and I can't see 666. There's one six in it, but I can't see the other three sixes in it. But it has some bars, three bars, and they say each bar is a 666. But how do they work that out? So it's fanciful, isn't it, really? 
But what we think is, who needs to know about the beast number 666? It's these believers in this time of great persecution. It'll have a message for them. They will understand what it means. Even if we don't, they will understand it. What is the mark of the beast, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's what we've got to. We've got to right up to the end there. And the wonderful thing is, get on a lighter note, yes. <laughs> At the end of this seven-year period, the Lord will come. That is appearing, yes. Revelation 19, he will come with his angels, with the saints, with us, everybody. He will come. His feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. He will destroy with the brightness of his coming. And let's just, let's turn to Thessalonians, because I forgot Thessalonians, didn't I? Go to 2 Thessalonians. Tells us more about this Antichrist. He's called the man of sin. In John's epistle, he's called the Antichrist. In Daniel 11, verse 36, he's called the king who will do according to his will. He's therefore called the willful king. He's also the false prophet. He is a Jew. That clearly is stated in Daniel, chapter 11, verse 36. It say, he mentions his people. So he was a Jew. It's clear in Daniel that he was a Jew. Right, and it says in verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there be a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Still yet future. He opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Yeah? So he thinks he's God, and he thinks he's the king, and he's total opposite of the Lord Jesus Christ and it says and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume by the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming now isn't that lovely he's going to be destroyed by the brightness of the Lord's coming when he returns to this earth even him whose coming is after the working of Satan and all power and lying wonders and all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. There's lots of people in this world who are in that situation at the moment. They're not receiving the love of the truth. They're rejecting it. And we know where their place will be. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness so we see we've had Old Testament confirming we have New Testament confirming these days and the things which are happening which are yet future so again I always think it's remarkable that we are told the future by the Lord he's written it for us um, and we know what is going to happen in the future to know is to be forearmed, isn't it? Forewarned. So, but it's absolutely a wonderful book to read, Book of Revelation, with all the rest. 
There's the Amplified when it says that they worship the dragon and they worship the beast. The Amplified calls it doing homage. And I just thought in my mind this hymn in The Little Flock, which is 195, because who is worthy of homage? Only the Lord Jesus Christ. And the hymn says, Worthy of homage and of praise, worthy by all to be adored, exalts theme of heavenly lays, thou, thou art worthy, Jesus Lord. To thee e'en now our song we raise, though sure the tribute mean must prove, no mortal tongue can tell thy ways, so full of life and light and love. Yet, Saviour, thou shalt have full praise. We soon shall meet thee on the cloud, we soon shall see thee face to face in glory, praising as we would. Amen to that. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank thee again for this wonderful book that that has given us. We thank thee we see our Lord Jesus Christ in all the pages of the scripture. We thank thee we've got a full view from beginning to end. And we thank thee for this knowledge that thou hast given us. We need to feed upon the scripture constantly. And we thank thee that we can read it constructively and constantly. And we can claim the promises of this Bible as well for ourselves. We've spoken earlier about trials that we can go through on this journey of life that we're on and this wonderful journey we're on and we know where that journey will end. But there's often pain and sorrow for us as well on this journey. But we thank thee for the day will come when we shall be taken home and all will be well with us and we shall see the face of our Lord Jesus Christ and we will glory in that. And it's our privilege to come with him again into this world scene. And we'll have responsibility here as well. And how glorious is that coming? How glorious is that appearing? And we thank thee we're excited about these things in the precious name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.